0: The Dental Download Podcast is your source for insight into dental school, conversations with dentists, specialists, and leaders in the industry. With new episodes every Monday morning, I'm your host, Haley Schultz. Let's get into this week's episode. Hello everyone, happy Monday. Welcome back to another episode of the Dental Download Podcast. We have a solo episode this week and it's not the episode I planned on posting. I was hoping to post a CDCA recap for the first couple sections that I took hopefully saying, yay, passed, and letting you know how I studied and sharing tips in that regard for the practical portion. So I guess not studied, but how I practiced the hand skills for the clinical exam. However, I don't have my scores yet. So it's not the bad news that maybe I didn't pass something, but I just don't have scores back yet. So that episode will be posted sometime down the line once I actually have scores. But this week, I thought of a fun topic Talking about firsts in dental school and how to work through kind of the nerves and all of the excitement and just hype up that I think you feel internally when you're doing something for the first time or when something's kind of high stakes for the first time in dental school working through that, sharing some of my own experiences, and it came to mind because I had several exciting firsts this week as a fourth year dental student, still doing some things for the first time. So we'll talk about those and then I'll share kind of reflections on many of the different first times I've had in dental school and how they went and how I prepared for them and worked through them and worked through any difficulties that there may have been to hopefully give you some confidence going through your journey in dental school. Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So sometimes when I record episodes, I basically write out almost everything that I want to say. And then I read the first couple lines of the cu- first couple words of each line. And then I start rambling on and talking in a very natural speech with you guys. But sometimes I don't plan out the episodes and I just am super authentic and original, exactly what comes into my mind, speaking it as it's coming to my mind, and then posting it on the internet for everyone to hear. And this is one of those kind of episodes. So I broke down the different things I want to talk about, but I don't really have any notes as to what I'm going to say. So it's exciting for you all to get my very real input on all of these subjects. So I told you the first thing we're going to talk about are the firsts that I had this week in dental school, and then we're going to go backwards chronologically through dental school, starting with your first practical that you have in SimLab, then we'll talk a little bit about how SimLab and clinic nerves and experiences are very different, and then we'll talk about... Those early experiences you have working on a person for the first time, which is usually a classmate, it's going to be with anesthesia, with placing a rubber dam, with doing dental cleanings or profis, and then eventually getting into clinic for the first time. And as a fourth year student, you're going to also have times when you're working with a lot more autonomy for the first time when you're out on external rotations outside of the dental school. And then we'll also finish off a little tidbit about exams. I didn't really have a good time to fit that in there, but at some point we'll talk about the didactic firsts because for me that was probably the most anxiety feeling time of dental school was the first semester and fall semester exams just because I hadn't been taking in-person exams in a while because of, like, COVID finishing off undergrad and then starting up dental school once we first got back in person to take exams. It was just – I wasn't used to that situation. Like, at home, you're able to really kind of set your ideal – exam space up no noises no distractions you can be really in the zone and then when we got back in person being shoulder to shoulder with classmates people like tapping their foot flicking on their pens doing all kinds of different things that you're just like ugh, I wish I was at my desk at home in silence and in comfy clothes and being able to kind of focus in my own personal way which I guess I'm already talking about exams. So why don't we talk about exams? Then we'll talk about this week in dental school and then we'll go back to D1 year. So when it comes to exams, my biggest advice would be everyone is nervous, first of all, and you really want to try to give yourself realistic expectations when you're starting dental school and have clear goals for yourself and those goals should make sense For your long term goals after dental school. So, if you want to go to oral surgery residency or orthodontics residency, then yeah, you do really want to get top scores and try to be highly ranked within your class and do really well on exams in terms of percentages and everything. But if you want to be a general dentist, no one really cares about your grades, they care more about your clinical skills. You need to have that understanding of the science behind your clinical decisions. So I'm not saying fail your classes, get the bare minimum scores to pass. You want to do as well as you can, but whether or not you get a hundred percent or ninety percent is not make or break kind of a thing. So assessing everything in the big picture and then when you're heading into those exams, for me, I felt a lot of relief coming to the realization I don't need perfect scores anymore because I got into dental school already. Like I needed to put that pressure on myself as a pre-dent because I really wanted to get in to U of M's dental school and here I am now. And I'm with all these other super, super excellent academic students who also worked really hard in undergrad and are super, super smart and book smart and have amazing memory and study skills, which turned out to be mostly better than a lot of my memory skills because we would get our results back and I would always be like right in the average for exams or a little below, honestly, most of the time. But that might seem like, oh, well, that's not a good fact to be sharing. But these averages, you guys, are like a 92%, 95% is the average. Then maybe I'd get like an 88% or something. So it's just crazy to see like the level of i guess like academic rigor that your classmates are striving towards in dental school if you are in a graded curriculum not pass fail so just trying to take that pressure off yourself and looking at it in the big picture like what is the important concepts from this set of material on this exam that's going to apply to patient care when would this matter what would a patient look like in my chair? that has this health condition or is on this medication or how is this body system connecting to what I'm doing day to day in clinic and that is I think much more important to take away from everything you're learning in lectures than did I get every single question right on this exam so for me that kind of helped me slowly get less pressure on myself and be less anxious for exams because I wasn't trying to get 100% on everything. I mean, I guess I was trying to, but I wasn't upset if I didn't do well on everything, which I just think is one of the biggest mindset shifts coming from being a pre-dent and trying so, so hard to be as perfect as possible because you want to get into dental school. But once you're there... There's resources to support you and help you be successful from different academic tutors that they might have, like peer tutors that are a few classes ahead of you that did well in the class or study groups that you can join or just meeting with the faculty that runs that class has been helpful for me for the couple courses I was struggling in. Just telling them, I saw this question and I thought this, but it was wrong. So where am I missing the mark here where is my connections and my brain not meeting for me to understand these concepts and after I did that for a lot of classes well not a lot a couple classes where I really needed to my scores actually went up a ton so if you want those really high scores it would probably be beneficial to get some one-on-one time with your faculty for that class because it's only gonna help you to just go if they have office hours chat with them, say, this is what I did on the homework. I got everything right, maybe, but I really didn't understand this thing. Can you explain it to me more simple terms or something like that? And I think you're going to find your scores get even better. A lot of times I wasn't doing that, again, because I wasn't putting the pressure on myself to get 100% on everything. But if you're trying to be super, super academically successful in dental school, it's probably really beneficial to go to those one-on-one times with the experts teaching this class because then you're able to get personalized information to the way that you understand things and then that's going to translate into the test because you're going to understand the concepts rather than just trying to memorize information and we've covered exams now then so everything else is going to be clinical based the rest of this episode So this week, the first that I was hinting at, I think the biggest thing that was most exciting was my first root canal in endodontics clinic at our school. I've told you before that in my D4 summer rotation in northern Michigan, I did technically my first root canal at that point, but it was not my root canal, if we're being honest. I had so much help from the preceptor that... I basically had her do the entire access opening because I just couldn't see what I was doing with where this tooth was and then the rubber dam. It was like a lower um, anterior tooth and I just could not see for the life of me even with like trying to use my mirror and pulling back the rubber dam and stuff. It was just so challenging. So since I didn't even do the access, I don't really feel like I did it. And then I did clean and shape the canals and everything, but... We ended up putting in calcium hydroxide and sending the tooth home to heal for like a week to help clean out the canal space and get rid of any bacteria and everything. And then they came back to some other student that was externing at that time to actually finish the root canal. So I never even finished one and I barely even started it. So like really it wasn't my first one because I didn't do it all myself. But this one I... Did the entire caries removal myself, did the whole access, which was kind of done through the caries removal because this tooth is pretty bombed out. And it was number nine, which was fun because we just had eight on the CDCA. So I felt like, oh, I've actually been practicing this for weeks. So convenient timing, you know? And similar situation though, there was a giant infection. So we ended up also putting in that antibacterial filling and then temporized it and sent the patient home and then I'm seeing him in two weeks to finish it but I am doing it all start to finish myself and the way it works at our school as fourth years all root canals are done in the endodontic specialty clinic and if we treatment plan one as a fourth year we can go up into that clinic and say do you think this case is suitable for a d4 to do or does it need to go to the specialist and since this was a single canal anterior like very straightforward tooth they said yes you can definitely do it so then i scheduled with them and had the patient be seen up there in that clinic and i had to find my own assistant another dental student to help me out and then one of the residents is scheduled to help students that time so every session that we're allowed to be up there with our own patients there's one resident scheduled to be overseeing us and as far as I know it's a one-to-one ratio anytime I've been assisting other people on their root canals there's always just them doing it and then a resident so it's really nice you have direct supervision as much as you want or need it and I called him over frequently to just check things, make sure everything was going well. But it was super, super, super straightforward. And it definitely was like a confidence booster that it was all going well so far. However, it's not finished yet. So once I finish operating next time, I'm sure I will update definitely on Instagram. But here, hopefully, in an intro to a podcast at some point, if I don't forget to let you all know if it finished up well. But that was so exciting. But I was preparing for this like it was like boards mentally at least like I didn't go practice more because I had already kind of been practicing eight on the simulated type it on endo teeth so there was no reason to practice and I didn't really need to review the steps too much I just looked at like a template Note to go as a treatment note, and that kind of had all the steps in it. So I reviewed that a few days before, and then also the day before and the morning of when I got up there, just refreshing myself in all the steps. Obviously, I could ask the resident, Oh, like what do I do now? But you know, you want to go into something prepared. So I would say, Okay, I just finished this, I'm going to do this next, correct, and got the okay to move on to the next step. But I kind of prompted what my understanding was of the next step to do. And the other thing that I kind of did, like I said it was mentally preparing a lot. Like I was so jittered and just not even nervous, but a lot of like adrenaline going into it. Like I went to bed super early the night before, woke up really early, like made a big breakfast, full coffee, leisurely morning was like watching YouTube eating my breakfast for like 30 minutes before I had to leave, rather than normally I'm up change quick breakfast out the door so I gave myself like a full hour before I had to leave to get ready relax just chill and then I got to school like 20 minutes before I needed to go up there and set up and then I took my sweet time setting up and the patient got there right on time so I had so much time before I actually sat the patient to just sit there and think about everything and review the radiograph and everything so for me Long story short with all of this, I just like to take days when I have an intimidating patient case where it's maybe I know it's going to be challenging or just something I haven't done before to make myself as calm and taken care of as possible. So just not rushing in the morning, taking my time, making sure I have adequate sleep, giving myself a nutritious meal before I go into it. So I'm just as taken care of as possible. That way I can focus on the external things, which is this patient situation. So that's general advice for any time I have like a big case, whether it's a first or just something that I know is going to be challenging. I try to get like my mindset and my body right before I go in to that patient appointment. And then the other thing that was a first that I honestly didn't prepare too much for was my first implant crown impression. So I haven't restored any implants yet in dental school. The few that I've treatment planned, and even if the patients have gone through with getting the implants and are ready to have them restored or even started getting them restored, I haven't been able to do it based on our school's guidelines. Any anterior implants, they make them be restored with the Graduate Prost Clinic. And then two touching implants, so like two teeth that are going to have proximal contacts, also have to go to grad pros. So a lot of the ones I've planned, whether or not the patients have gone through the process, which you can imagine it's a lengthy process, if they still have the tooth and getting the tooth out, letting that extraction site heal, placing the implant, letting the implant heal before it's ready to get loaded, takes a long time. So sometimes We're not getting to restore them because it's such a lengthy process till the tooth is ready to be restored or the implant's ready to be restored. And then by then we've graduated sometimes. But then the flip side, the other reason we might not be restoring them is because it's sent to GradPross. So for me, this was the first one I finally was in my criteria to do. And the implant was already placed actually quite a while ago. It was ready to be restored in May and the patient finally got around to coming in to get it restored so that was fun to work with the PROS faculty in our normal clinics and just kind of talk through kind of the decision making and picking out the different parts that you're going to need for taking the impression and which abutment prefab abutment you're going to send to the lab and everything it's all just based on the measurements of the implant that the surgeon placed and they are not going to tell you what brand it was and what the dimensions are and everything. And then you just pick the other pieces accordingly. But for us, it's kind of confusing or overwhelming because we just have this long sheet and then you have to flip through it and get signatures to pick up the different parts that you do need. So it's helpful to understand like what are these different categories? What components of the implant am I looking at to decide which thing on this long list I'm going to need? which categories of things do I need every single time so it was cool and I didn't like I said I didn't prepare too much because there wasn't much preparing to do it's just one of those things you get in there tell the faculty it's your first time doing it so I was fortunate that the faculty I was working with had not too many students that day so she was able to spend a little bit of extra time with me and really explain things and was like drawing things out for me and just making sure I really understood like the why behind all of the different selections we were making. And then I was even asking follow-up questions like, okay, we're using this kind of prefab abutment. When would we use this other kind that's from a different category on this sheet? Like I know what dimensions we're choosing, but why would we use a short abutment versus a contour abutment and things like that? So I would say if you can prepare for firsts in clinic, you should. But if they are your first time and things don't go well, it's kind of expected. Both of these went well, but I've definitely had large bombed out teeth that were doing carriers removal to determine restorability or just really difficult accesses like 15 distal buckle or something is one of the worst areas to restore in my opinion just it's so challenging to get your burr back there and you can't really see anything you do a little then you look you do a little then you look it's kind of anxiety inducing honestly but you we get it done you know so just in those situations take care of yourself beforehand look over the radiographs think through the steps of everything that you're going to do grab the extra materials in case things go awry if it does have a pulp exposure or something so that you're ready to go and you're not running out of the clinic to grab extra things obviously you don't need that for every situation but if you think something's borderline like think through all the steps of it could go this way it could go that way if it happens like direction a i'm gonna do this this that if it happens like direction b i'm gonna do this this and that And that will make you seem more competent to your faculty as well, that you're already prepared and ready to go. And for me, it gives me a lot of peace of mind knowing that I've prepared, I've thought through everything. And like I was saying with the implants, in those times when it's your first, you're not going to know everything, obviously, and you're probably not going to know everything your second time or your third time. Usually by my third time doing a similar clinical scenario, I have a lot, a lot, a lot more confidence with it because I've worked through the problem solving one and two times before. So it's pretty crazy, I think, the strides that you make from your first time to your second time to your third time. And then as a practicing dentist, it's going to be your 300th time. So you can imagine how much more confidence I guess you would have. But I always hear from people like the more you do something the more you realize how much you don't know. So I'm sure that will come into play later down the line. I'm not trying to say that I'm perfect at everything by any means but just knowing what to do and what might happen and how to problem solve gets better and better and better every single time knowing what Positioning to put the patient in, to put yourself in, to hold your mirror in, to hold your burr in gets easier and easier every single time when you've dealt with a certain aspect of a certain tooth or a certain scenario multiple times. So, having some confidence that it's going to get better and some hope, I guess, that it's going to get better, and trying to really make the most of those challenges. Like, I think appointments that go badly, as much as it's discouraging and frustrating and frantic in the moment, It's so good to have during school because you want almost all the bad things to happen when you're in school, when you have faculty there to help you through it, because you're not going to have that one day when you graduate. So take those challenges and bad moments as a blessing and a lesson to learn from. That's definitely how I usually look at things. And now on to our last segment of the episode. I kind of have a lot to jam in here, so I don't want to rush into things if I don't feel like I can give each component its true explanation and advice. I will just save it for another episode. But we were going to talk about practicals, sim lab, working on your classmates for the first time, and then also external rotations. I might not dabble with external rotations because I feel like I've already had plenty of episodes about that, but let's jump back to D1 year. We talked about taking your first didactic exams, but what about your first practicals? So for me, I don't think I was that nervous for the first few practicals, to be honest, and that's just kind of my... Personality. when it comes to clinical things. I just sit down and get everything set up and that first little bit when you're going to touch your bird to the tooth for the first time on the practical, I just take a deep breath and I say in my head, take your time, go slow. You know what to do. And then I go. And it usually turned out fine or if it didn't, you just remediated it. So for me, I have never really struggled with speed when it comes to practicals or clinical things, so that was never something I really had to work through, and my practicals were a little bit slower than my practice sessions because I was trying to slow myself down and really take my time and really pay attention to all those little details that are on the rubric and try to get everything as good as I can. I would say a strategy for practicals is keeping in mind, yeah, it would be great to get 100% and get the highest category scoring for each part of the rubric. However, if you have, let's say, five out of the six categories you think are perfect and you're trying to get the sixth one perfect and right now it's in the acceptable but not perfect category, you have to kind of weigh your pros and cons. Like if I go after trying to make The taper perfect, am I going to over-reduce then? And then the other category is going to go down. Something like that. So you want to really understand your rubrics and understand that sometimes it's better to have something passing acceptable than perfect if it's going to knock you down in other areas or knock you down so far that it makes something not passing and then you have to remediate all because you were trying to go for absolutely perfect then you ended up with non-acceptable so it's always a fine line and it's something that once you've done a practical in dental school you'll understand everything that i'm talking about but that's probably the biggest advice is understanding your rubric understanding yourself and your strengths and going into that practical knowing that you've practiced well you understand exactly what you need to do and all you need to do is take your time and execute it piece by piece and get it done and then hopefully you'll pass and hopefully you'll get a great score but at least hopefully you pass and you can move on to the next skill that eventually is going to take you into clinic in the future which is just so different than type it on teeth it's pretty crazy I would say SimLab is not to teach you how to do something like a crown prep or caries removal and fill It's to kind of teach you the motions and the hand skills to translate that into real teeth and real patient scenarios. It's the same steps of drilling, etching, bonding, filling, yes, but it's just much more challenging when you're in real patient scenarios. When there's a lot of times in dental school, it's not oh, we just caught this lesion that just is into dentin and we're going to drop a box and fill it. Most of the time, they're really bombed out teeth, compromised, questionable if it's going to end up needing endo or not, at least for a lot of my patients, that's what it's been. So it's not so ideal little occlusal preps and things like you're doing in SimLab, and people don't have perfect occlusion like the typodonts, and there's crowding, and there's a tongue, and there's cheeks, and there's saliva, and there's a head that you can't move all these crazy directions like you might be trying to do in SimLab, so... There's a lot of other factors once you get into real patients, but it's still really crucial to take that time in Sim Lab, take it seriously, and try to get your speed and your comfortability with positioning yourself, with your mirror, with your handpiece well. That way, when you get into patients and it's harder, you can adjust and get through that transition. Let's finish off talking about working on classmates for the first time, which I don't think anyone is super nervous to be working on a classmate from my experience and all of the sessions now as fourth years were assigned to kind of supervise the first and second year's different training sessions. It's like assigned mentoring that we have to do. It doesn't seem like people are nervous to do the work on a classmate, people seem nervous to have it done to them. So keep that in mind that the person you're working on is probably nervous and they don't know if they trust you to give them anesthesia or to take an alginate or whatever it may be. Obviously, something non-invasive like a head and neck exam or putting on a rubber dam is not going to make people nervous most of the time. But doing anesthesia or maybe doing a profi if they have like a lingual bar or something they don't want you to mess up just keep in mind that the person you're working on your classmate should still be treated like a patient and you should prepare for the situation and try to be as competent as possible and give them the best care that you can you're obviously both learning and you might make little mistakes and things but try to be as prepared as you can don't take it as like easy or like it's just all like fun and jokes because it is important to practice on real people before you're up in clinic and you should be grateful and respectful of your classmates for allowing you to practice on them even though they don't really get a choice it's kind of a two-way street like you're injecting them they're injecting you and that's that the way our school does it which i think is kind of nice is in groups of threes for anesthesia lab so I would do, let's say my roommate Amanda, she would do our other roommate Madeline, and then Madeline would do it to me. And that's kind of nice because if someone messes up, you don't go back and be all upset at them and then maybe do poor anesthesia on them or like give them a bunch of extra pokes than is necessary just out of spite. I would hope no one would do that, but I'm pretty sure that's the reason they have us in groups of threes, which I think is kind of funny. But in terms of preparing and nerves and everything, I think it's more excitement. I really hope that you're not too nervous. It's such a fun time. And just like I said, be prepared if you're doing your first Profi. Go over all the instrumentation and the patient positioning. Keep in mind if patient if patients slash classmates have anything that they're worried about in their mouth that they want you to be extra gentle with. It's probably better just to be gentle than to go at it too aggressively with the piezo or ultrasonic or something and maybe leave something alone that you think you could clean a little better. Just for their own peace of mind, you don't want to be making any enemies in your class just from these little lab sessions. It's definitely not worth it. But I hope you're all kind of excited for your different firsts in dental school, I think is the big takeaway from this episode that For me, I would say 80% of the time when it's something big and scary and exciting, I just have a lot of adrenaline. I wouldn't say I'm like petrified with nerves, which I'm really grateful for. So if that's something that you struggle with and if it's a more serious situation and it's affecting your mental health or something and you have really severe anxiety... I would 100% recommend talking to a professional about that, not just listening to me rambling on for 30 minutes. Hopefully, I could maybe help you shift your perspective a little bit and... Look at all these challenges and new experiences as incredible learning opportunities and that's really what you got to go into dental school and into all these experiences thinking about is focusing on the learning and being grateful for the opportunities, being grateful for the challenges because one day you're going to look back and be so happy that you went through what you went through with all the challenges and crazy moments of dental school. So with all that said, I want to thank you all for listening to this week's episode I will be back next week with another guest and we'll continue with our format as always of solo episode guest, solo episode guest. If there's any specific guests that you follow on social media, any different dentists or dental related content people that you'd like me to have on the show, please send me a message on Instagram. I would love to reach out to them and try to set something up. I really appreciate all of your support for the podcast, whether you listen on Spotify or on Apple, giving me a five-star rating at the Dental Download Podcast when you just click on the show helps a ton and helps it get suggested to other potential listeners and can keep the show going for as long as possible. So thank you all so much again for listening and have a wonderful week.